0: If you have a Bible, would you turn to Philippians 1, verse 6, and then we're going to also be in Romans 8 here in just a little bit, but Philippians 1, 6. If you need a Bible, slip a hand up. We've got some ushers coming down the aisles. They would get one in your hands for you to use this morning. Glad that you are here. want to say welcome to Traditions as well and to the Kindred Campus and those who are joining us online this morning. Make sure that you stay up to speed with what's happening here at Bethel Church. You can do that through the program that you receive on your way in or on our website or the e-news that you receive uh, via email. And if you're new here, I encourage you to take that Connect card and fill it out and just let us know that you're new and slip that in the offering box on your way out. Don't you just love springtime? You know how I know when it's spring uh, in Fargo? Uh, Of course, the temperatures and the melting snow, but 52nd Avenue Speedway is open. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Do you guys hear the cars or is it just me? Like all the race cars down on 52nd Avenue. It's crazy. This past week, I read a story about the F4 tornado that carved a destructive path through central Iowa here two weeks ago. Just a couple of miles from the the church plant that I was at for 16 years. A couple in their 60s had recently moved from Missouri to an acreage just outside of Winterset, Iowa, and maybe you don't know where Winterset, Iowa is, but maybe you've heard of Bridges of Madison County. Their daughter, son-in-law, and four grandchildren were visiting from Missouri. As the tornado approached, they hunkered down together in a food pantry, and all the adults that were in the room put their legs over uh, the four children just to kind of give them an extra weight and protection, and when it was all said and done, four of the eight had lost their lives the son-in-law, the grandma, and the two grandchildren. I cannot imagine the heartache and, and, and the pain the survivors were reeling with and continue to reel with. And, and, and in an instant, literally, their lives were, were radically changed. The daughter from Missouri who was visiting her mom lost her mom, her husband, and two of her kids. In the blink of an eye, just like that. What a nightmare. I can't even imagine. And it, but it's a great reminder that everything in this life is temporary. As we continue our time in this series, Who Am I? I'm am reminded that our safety and our security cannot be anchored to anything that we can lose. Because in an instant, it can all be gone. I, I was blown away, uh, Anthony, by your story this morning and just. Uh, We don't talk about everything we're gonna say and just how closely the things relate and even some of the same language. Life is most devastating when whatever or whomever we place our security in is lost or broken or it's taken from us. I don't know the family from Iowa, but if they're anything like me at times, I place my safety and security in the here and now and what I can see, what I can feel, what, what I can touch with all the senses, believe in it, uh, it is the things that, that I have and the people that I know that will keep me secure in this life. In my limited and finite mind, that's what makes total sense. Feeling secure and safe is a fundamental need that we are, we are created with. Imagine for a moment that you are completely absent of, of security and safety. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is this feeling of, uh, of utterly being alone or helpless. Uh, in fact, being alone is one of the greatest foundational fears. Imagine for a moment if you lacked the ability to stay safe. Imagine you lived with the fear of being taken advantage of, like, like the vulnerable of our society, children and, and the poor or, or maybe the elderly. Imagine if you believe the lie, I have to do it on my own, I have to protect myself. Imagine if you believe the lie that the only person that you can depend upon is you. I believe there comes a moment or a season in every person's life, for for some it's when they're very young and for others it's as they get older when when we all must decide what or whom we will depend on for our safety and security. It's a moment of decision, right? It's a crossroads when many people turn towards unhealthy attachments in this life. Things like people, using them to meet a need that they were never intended to meet and our unhealthy attachments become our answer to the question, who am I? And so we ask the question, who am I? And we point to people or we point to things. We were created to work, but not to find our safety and security in our work. We were created for relationships, to be relational, but not to find our safety and security in relationships. We were created to provide, but not to find security in our provision. And our unhealthy attachments make us feel good and and they are the very things that make us look good, right? What or who are you finding your security and safety in? What would happen to you if it was taken away? In an instant, in the blink of an eye. What would happen to you if you lost your job? Or somehow a, a relationship fell apart? Or someone died. Today, we'll be reminded that our safety and security can only be found in Jesus Christ. The one that we can depend fully upon without concern of being let go or abandoned or unnoticed or left alone. Without safety and security, we are left vulnerable for attack. Believing that it is the people and the things around us. And a significant part of our security and safety in Christ is found in Philippians 1.6. I'll get to that in just a second. But if it is true, friends, if it is true that the chief end of man is to glorify God and bring him joy. Did you catch that? The chief end of man is to glorify God and bring him joy. If it is true above all else, then we must know and understand that we were created by God and for God. What if your life, everything you do, every accomplishment, every credit and acknowledgement that is due to you, so imagine that everything that is due to you, every accomplishment, everything that's due to you, God's name got announced instead of yours. What if he received all the credit for everything? Would you be okay with that? To say we were created by God for God is one thing, but to be okay with that is is quite another. Especially when it forces us to ask the deeper questions like why? Imagine that your life was made up of these three tanks that you carry around. It's these three overarching themes, the truth of scripture. And the first tank is the need to be accepted and the second is the need for security and the third is the need to fill value. What happens when tank number one or two or three are not full or or where one is full and the other two are partially full? What happens? What happens is this, friends, we freak out. Because we were created with these primary needs, when they aren't being met, all kinds of alarms start going off in our life. And the impact can be physical, emotional, and spiritual. That's what happens. In fact, you can trace just about anything that that is a challenge for you in this life back to one of those three tanks. And the central theme of this book of Philippians is the joy of the Lord. And throughout this entire book, there is this urge for us to press on, to keep going, no matter what is happening in this life, keep going. And Paul begins this letter to the church of Philippi like this. He says this, starting in verse three, I thank God every time that I remember you, and he's writing to this church, and he's, and he's sitting, and he's pondering this church, I thank God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. first on your outline, if you're following along, I am safe. He started a good work in me. And we come to verse six, the first part of verse six, it says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you. The book of Philippians was written by Paul while he was in prison in Rome around AD 61, and we learn in the book of Acts that Paul was eager to get to Rome. He, he had this passion to get there, not only to have fellowship with maybe some familiar people, but because Rome was this, had become this, this epicenter of the civilized world, and, and it was positioned to be this strategic city for the spread of the gospel. And because that was Paul's heart, and that was his passion, he was so eager to get there because his passion to share the gospel message. And Paul got his chance to go to Rome, but not as a free man who could walk the streets and who could evangelize to whomever he wanted to. Not at all. He arrived on a ship as a prisoner in chains. He got his wish. During his imprisonment, Paul recorded for us what we often refer to as the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And and so the very words that we are reading this morning... Paul writes as he sits in a room under house arrest, confined for the very thing that God had called him to do that was to preach the gospel. So the very thing that he was passionate about, the very thing that he wanted to do, the very thing that God called him to do, he's sitting in a room under house arrest writing these words. And his words throughout the book are challenges for the church to remain strong. He says, press on, no matter what, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what what your challenges are, regardless of what you're faced with, keep going, no matter your circumstances. Do you see the irony? Paul, a prisoner, writing to a, a church to remain strong, to have a no matter what attitude. In a nutshell, here's what he wanted them to know. Your circumstances do not determine your joy. When everything in your life is telling you the complete opposite, now we can understand why Paul had such credibility. A prisoner saying, no matter what. What I love about Paul is that he lived and he breathed the gospel message. Christ was everything to him. So much that that he considered other things in his life rubbish. Cow dung is the the actual idea there. He says, I I consider everything. When I hold it up next to Christ, Philippians chapter 3, it's like cow dung to me. Paul found his safety and security in Christ alone. While so much around him had been taken away, we have so much to learn from Paul. Verse six again, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so while all of us here uh, probably have memorized that verse, maybe at one time or another, you've heard that verse somewhere. We think, oh, that that is such a great verse. I love that verse. Many of us can say at different seasons, but it doesn't align with my life. When I look at my job and my situation at work, it doesn't align. When I look at my marriage, it it doesn't make sense. I, I can't reconcile the two ideas. Or when I look at the hurt and pain in my past or how I was taken advantage of or how I was, it doesn't make sense. Or my children or my finances, I don't get it. Being confident in this. So let me lead with this question again. Do you have confidence in God? Do you have full confidence that he does know what he's doing in your life? Sometimes our confidence is dependent on what we experience in life and how how well God is performing, right? Don't tell me that your confidence in God has never acted like the stock market, depending on how things are going. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up, right? Right? Things are great. I got all this confidence in God. He knows what he's doing finally, right? Things aren't so good. God doesn't know what he's doing in my life. Sometimes when we travel, we like to play hotel roulette. Do you guys do that? Like sometimes we don't like plan out every single stop. And some of you all are like, I don't know the word for it planners where you've got everything mapped out to a T and you've got every hotel schedule, you've got everything, you know, like, you know what you're gonna do every day, you know? Okay, we do that sometimes, but not always. Sometimes we just like to go, right? And so we're driving, I'll be driving, and Lori's looking on Priceline or Expedia for our next hotel. Anybody else do this? Looking for those special deals, right? And we've got these standards, right? We've learned, like you've learned, we, uh, three stars at least on the app, right? or an eight-plus rating, you know, uh, reviews kind of thing. And so we look for those opportunities. And there's been a couple times where we've dipped down into that two-and-a-half stars. Not a good idea. (laughs) But everything is about reviews. How's God performing in your life? What's your review of God? Finding our safety and security in Christ all begins with our confidence in him. Confidence comes from this this proven track record and can only be as good as our assurance in him. There's nothing in this life that we are guaranteed of. Paul says, being confident of this while sitting in prison. We have confidence in our children because maybe they've shown a track record of you've asked them to do something and they do it. You have confidence in your spouse because there's this, this track record of faithfulness. We have confidence in an athlete because of the track record of the awards and trophies. We have confidence in a leader because, because of the way they chart the course. Confidence points to a future, yet, listen to this, it's attained from the past. It points to the future, but it comes from the past. How confident are you in God? What track record do you have with God to know whether he can be trusted for your future as you sit here right now? So the word confidence means full assurance, that we have full assurance that what has been said will be done and will be completed, that all of his promises are in fact true, as the scripture says. So what are we confident of? It goes on, he who began a good work in you. So there's that track record again, he, who began, remember the past, our confidence begins with what he's already started in your life. So you can't really sit here today and say, well, do I have confidence of God in the future? And based on what you're experiencing today, you have to look back. What has he started? Well, here's what we've learned from the past few weeks. He chose us. He adopted us. He redeemed us. He forgave us. He justified us. We're without condemnation, we learned last week. Those are the things you got to look at in the past. That's where your confidence comes from. So, God created the universe and mankind for his absolute own glory. Not that that, that, that he might gain some more glory. Do you know why? He can't. It's impossible. He went public with his glory through his creation. And his work in us makes us this display case for his glory. John Piper, a pastor and author, said in his book Desiring God, this is what he writes, redemption, remember being bought with a price, salvation and restoration are not God's ultimate goal. These he performs for the sake of something greater, namely the enjoyment he has in glorifying himself. God is most concerned with his own glory. God is the only one who has the right to say, it's all about me. But also notice who initiated the work in you. He who began a good work in you. The process of salvation and life change start to finish is initiated by him. He began the good work in you. Our fellowship with God can be strained even when we're saved, even when we're a child of his, when we attempt to find our safety and security in this life outside of him. So we can be a child of God, we can be saved, right? But when we try to find our safety and security in this life, in things or people or, or these unhealthy attachment kind of things, our relationship with God can be strained. We can argue with God all day long about who is the potter and who's the clay, but it will never change the fact that the work in us, the transformation that's, that's taking place in us, the progressive sanctification, whatever you wanna call it, this change that's happening in us is not up to you and me, it's up to him. Have you ever had one of your children bring home, uh, or maybe they made a clay project, in school, and they bring it home and they're like, I got a surprise for you, and they got it on their back and they hand it to you, and it's like really cool and it's shiny and it's, it's, it's just, wow, you're looking at it and you're, but all the while you're thinking what? What is it? But you don't ask them that, right? You're just like, what is it? Of course I'll put that on my desk, right? Or of course we'll put that in the kitchen or whatever. But we'll well, what is it? When we fail to have confidence that our safety and security can be found in Christ, We attempt to find it elsewhere. And when we run to our job or title or money or relationships, we're really wanting to take our seat at the potter's wheel of our own life. Imagine standing at the gate of glory. And we hand God our clay that we've worked so hard on. And we think, oh, isn't it perfect? Isn't it beautiful? Look what I've done. And and maybe God would say in the back of his mind, what is it? This is what you've accomplished because you found your safety and security outside of me. Guys, we were created by God for God. Romans 8, 28 and on says this, and I'm gonna have them put up the scripture here in just a second, but I wanna start with verse 28, it says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that God in all things works for our good, his glory, right? And then I want you to see this scripture, if we can put that up there. Um, And I want you to see, and I, I added some things here as you can see, because as I started reading through this passage, I noticed the idea of safety and security all the way through. What then shall we say in response to these things? So think safety and security. If God is for us, who can be against us? Safety and security. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Safety and security. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies Safety and security. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Safety and security. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Safety and security. And it goes on. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No one in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Safety and security. And then verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Safety and security. Let me summarize that whole passage. God is for us. He did not spare his own son. No one can bring condemnation on those who are chosen. He is interceding for us. And nothing can separate us from him. Can you find those truths in the things of this world or the people around you? I am safe. He started a good work in me. Secondly, I am secure. He will finish what he started. So when your life feels incomplete, have confidence that God will complete what he has started. When you are frantic because your life has shifted from what seemed to be calm waters to the rapids, find your security in him, knowing he is accomplishing in you what is necessary to complete you. It really is funny when we step back and we admit that we place our security and safety in the hands of the temporal, right? When we really just pause for a second and think, really, I'm going to put my safety and security in all these things or or in these people? The very things and the people who have no future knowledge and who have no, no power over my life, I'm going to put my safety and security in those things? And we know that God sees the beginning and the end, and he sees it all at the same time. I like to use the analogy of a movie. He's watched your whole movie or or a parade. He sees the beginning and the end. He sees your entire life. That's the knowledge that he has. Not only does he have the knowledge, he has the power to say the parade's turning. We've all answered the question. If I had to pick someone for this clutch situation, it would be. Maybe a baseball game, you're like, "Well, I'd like to have so-and-so at the plate or in this particular situation or this challenge, I'd like to have so-and-so make the decision or it's March Madness, right? Every single coach, every single team knows when it comes down to the last few seconds, which so many games have and they've been thrilling games, they're like, I gotta get the ball to so-and-so in this clutch situation. Is there an area of your life right now where you are having a tough time trusting him. We'll be faithful to complete it. As much as this statement is true, it's hard to say sometimes. God's work in you is not to make you comfortable or happy. When everything around us and everybody is saying to us, what is this life about? Come on, it's just about being happy. God's goal for your life is really simple. His goal is to work in you because as He's working in you, He's conforming you into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. And the word complete means to perform. In other words, He will perform in us, accomplish His goal. He is the perfecter of our faith, He's the finisher, He's the completer. Otherwise, why wouldn't he just take us from this earth in that moment when we, when we bow our heads or, or, or we just say to Jesus, I need you. I, I wanna confess with my mouth that, that you are Jesus, you are the son of God, that you came to this earth, you died on the cross for my sins. I wanna ask you for forgiveness, I wanna surrender my life to you. Why not then at that moment does God not just take us from this earth? Well, there's a reason because he leaves you on this earth because he's perfecting you, he's changing you, he's molding you, he's shaping you into Je- the likeness of Jesus. He never stops. Every morning when you wake up, even though there are times when God is the very last thing on your mind, he is working in your life. He's stretching you. He's changing you. He's molding you. So that in the end, when you are finally complete, you will look just like his son, Jesus. At the end of every day, maybe you could try this. If we look close enough Maybe when, maybe when we're getting ready to go to sleep, if we look close enough, if we would just pause and with humility, if you look back over your day, it would be a good reminder for us to be able to see the fingerprints of God. Three things we need to understand about this verse. God began the work by offering his son, Jesus. His work will be complete when, he, when we stand in God's presence. He is faithful in between to do or allow what is necessary in our lives to get us as close to the likeness of his son as he can before we stand face to face. God assures us that he will complete us. He will not give up on us. He will not quit on you. We are safe and secure in him. This one thing i want to leave you with. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, and then there it is, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him.